And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I'm encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I, myself, am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash SavingRonsLife. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. And if you would like to meet the shooter, Ronnie Gossett, in person, you can catch him Sunday, May 23rd from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. as Universal Championship Wrestling presents the NWO Reunion and Road Stories. This will be taking place at Whiskey's, located at 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, 
Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. The event will be hosted by the shooter Ronnie Gossett and myself, Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch. And joining us for the NWO reunion will be two of the biggest names in the history of the New World Order, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and Buff the Stuff Bagwell. They will be there telling road stories and answering questions from myself, Ronnie Gossett, as well as the audience where there will be a live Q&A session where you guys can ask them any questions that you want. We will answer all your questions. No punches will be pulled and of course there will be a special meet and greet before the event where you guys can meet all of us and you can get autographs pictures cop some merch all this great stuff is going down sunday may 23rd at whiskey's Tickets are $20, and you can purchase them either at Whiskey's. You can go physically to the bar to pick them up. You can get them on eventbrite.com. Just type in UCW, NWO, Reunion, and Road Stories. Or you can purchase them at the official website, www.ucwtv.com. So get your tickets now before they sell out for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hear some NWO, Reunion, and Road Stories. Come on, get tough on the street, get tough with the gang. Watch your back, it's a hardcore thing in the ghetto. There's no surprise. When a man dies, I know what it cries. In the underground, you better look around and use your eyes. In the ghetto. Let's go, yo. In the ghetto. Stay in your zone, you're not alone This wolf eyes watching you leave your home One false move and you're through Now you're gonna pay your dues In the ghetto In the ghetto Once you're past the door, take the hardcore dance floor Better get some more, what you came here for Got a one-way ticket, let the drama get wicked in the ghetto Stop, hold it Come on, get tough on the street, get tough with the gang Watch your back, it's a hardcore thing in the ghetto There's no surprise, when a man dies, I know what it cries In the underground, you better look around and use your eyes in the ghetto In the ghetto Get tough with the punk Don't be taking the junk From the sucker in the crew His time is through You can't run for cover Not every man's your brother Whatever your color There's always another Better watch your back The pins in the cop car He ain't going far Thank you lucky star You got this far In the ghetto Get tough on the street, get tough with the gang Watch your back, it's a hardcore thing in the ghetto There's no surprise When a man dies, I know what it cries In the underground, you better look around In the ghetto In the ghetto In the ghetto What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And once again, The Booch is riding solo on this episode, and the reason is because my NXT correspondent, John Tumblin, is still in the process of moving into his new house. Uh, as we mentioned before many, many times here on The Boochcast, uh, John and his fiance have been moving out of their old house and moving into the new one. Uh, last time John wasn't on the show, he was pa- packing up all his stuff, and they were literally getting things moved out of the house. They're still trying to get their stuff moved around. 
around and everything, you know, put in storage so they can move into the new house. And it's a long process, you know, to get out of one house and move into another one. And it's taken up a lot of John's time. But he did want me to tell you guys that he is sorry he couldn't be here. And he promises that once everything is settled, he will come back to the show and he will do what he does best, which is recap NXT. And here at the Boochcast, we give John all the support in the world as he goes through this process because we know once this process is over, it's going to benefit not only himself and his fiance, but also it will benefit the Boochcast as a whole because a lot of the new stuff we can do, we can record out of his new place. So John, we wish you luck in your continued uh, journey of moving into this new house and we look forward to having you back here hopefully next week for some NXT. And also, of course, you guys heard the theme song uh, In the Ghetto, which is another uh, New Jack entrance theme that was used when he was at uh, Wrestlepalooza 97, but it was also the entrance theme that WWE put into all of New Jack's uh, entrances during the ECW pay-per-views on the network, which is why I honestly thought that was his real entrance theme, not knowing that Natural Born Killers was his original entrance theme, and and WWE added that because they did not have the rights to that song, which was done by Dr. Dre and Ice Cube of the NWA. So, either way, I love this song. I think it's awesome, and once again, I do want to send out uh, thoughts and prayers to the family of Jerome Young, a.k.a. New Jack. And hopefully when John comes back, we'll get his thoughts on the passing of New Jack and how he feels about it. And um, there's nothing really else I can say right now except, let's get it started in here. God, I love saying that. Uh, Our first ever theme song. Sometimes I wish it was still the theme song, but I know you guys are getting tired of it. So on that note, we're going to kick things off with our first official match of the evening. That ass. Tony Storm versus Zoe Stark. And this match was a decent opener to the overall show. Um, I definitely liked Tony Storm's performance in this match. I thought she did a very good job, especially from a heel standpoint. Zoe Stark uh, really took the fight to Tony Storm, which I thought was good, although I felt that she was a little too spot monkey-ish in this match. Now, I know Zoe Stark can work. I've seen her work many times here on NXT, but I felt like this match, it was too much of a spot monkey match on Zoe's part, not necessarily Tony's. You know, I, I think she did too many springboard moves, too much missile drop kicks off the top rope. I thought that was a little bit excessive. I felt like with the amount of personal animosity that was in this match, I expected more of a fight and less of a circus show. And I felt like Tony was bringing a fight and Zoe was bringing a circus show. So while I feel like, as I said before, this is a good start to open the show and get the crowd excited, I feel like from a rivalry standpoint, it didn't solve anything. I I don't feel like this rivalry is over, and if it is, that's a shame, especially with a, uh, I know there's a takeover coming up, I believe on June 13th, if I'm not mistaken, is supposed to be the next takeover, which is a NXT takeover in your house, so I honestly believe that if you got a takeover coming up in a few weeks, uh, you should kind of build to that, you know, especially with a rivalry like this, so hopefully this isn't over, but if it is over, that's a damn shame, and that pretty much sums up the majority of the matches that I saw here on NXT. NXT and the ones that are being advertised uh, for next week and the week to follow. I feel like they're putting a lot of stuff on TV that could have really been saved for a pay-per-view. So my hope and prayer is that with all these great matches being given away on free TV, I'm hoping they're bringing something extra special for the pay-per-view. Because like I said, ironically, the last in your house was the only uh, takeover that was completely disappointing. And NXT takeovers very seldom disappoint. They might have some disappointing matches, but the overall pay-per-view is not disappointing except for last year's In Your House. I'm hoping history does not repeat itself, but Tony Storm got the win, so obviously they're doing a lot with her. I don't know what this is going to do for Zoe Stark, but if they were looking to push her as a top as a top uh, female performer, this didn't do it. I feel like she's going to get knocked back down the ladder, and we're not going to see her for a while. Then the lights go out, and when they come up, Frankie Monet is posing on the stage. Uh, and to my knowledge, she did not have the dog with her, which is good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the dog. It goes with the gimmick, but at some point, you got to put the doggy down and get ready to fight. Now, 
Just to be clear, when I say put the doggy down, I mean put her on the ground and leave her somewhere else. I don't mean kill the dog. I, I want to clarify that. I am in no way, shape, or form saying they should kill the dog. I do not endorse putting dogs to sleep unless they are extremely sick and there's no way to save them. So I just wanted to clarify that. When I said put the doggy down, I meant, you know, put her, put her in a cage, put her in a room, put her somewhere where she's not holding it in her hand. I want to clarify that because I don't want any dog lovers or a bunch of PETA motherfuckers commenting and saying I endorse something that I don't endorse. But we also know that next week on NXT, Frankie Monet is going to make her in-ring debut, and I am definitely looking forward to that because despite what people might say about her gimmick, that's still Taya Valkyrie. That's still Loera Loca. And I know when the bell rings, she is going to be Taya Valkyrie. And once people who are not familiar with her see how well she can work, they are going to fall in love with Frankie Monet. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area. We got Legado del Fantasma without Santos Escobar, and they're demanding their title shot. Tommaso Ciampa and Toothless Timmy Thatcher interrupt. Ciampa reminds Legado that they have never beaten him. Wild challenges them to a match tonight. Thatcher says the cat has no shoes in Spanish, and Ciampa accepts the challenge. Okay, I just want to say right here, right now, I thought this was a dumbass segment. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, I have no problem with Legato Del Fantasma demanding a title shot. Because they definitely deserve a title shot, and they definitely deserve to be the tag team champions. What I have a problem with is Toothless Timmy. I don't like this new gimmick from Thatcher, okay? This guy was a badass. This guy basically had an Ole Anderson-type character. And now, all of a sudden, he's being called Toothless Timmy, and is being okay with it. And then saying shit like, the cat has no shoes in Spanish. Which makes no fucking sense. Why are you taking this badass motherfucker and turning him into a comedic joke? I'm waiting for someone. I would love for someone to tell me how this gets him over. I'm not seeing it. And here's the thing. I'm not even against them being a tag team. I know John is. I know his fiance is. I am not against this. Because I have been a fan of Timothy Thatcher. I like what he's doing. Or was doing. Now, I'm watching this shit. And I don't get it. Why are they turning him into a comedic joke? Especially with Ciampa clearly insulting him and Timmy just taking it. I know some people out there are going to say, Well, they're friends and friends ball bust. That is true. Friends definitely ball bust. If you've listened to the Boochcast for longer than a day, you know that ball busting is what we do. We all on this show ball bust each other. Whether it's me, whether it's John, whether it's Elvis, whether it's Desmond, even Zach and Gator. We all ball bust each other on this show. It's what we do. But here's the difference. These guys have not been a tag team or even friends, for that matter, for very long. Everyone on this show, we've known each other for years. Okay? I've known Zach for a good 12 years. I've known Desmond for nine. I've known Elvis for about 12 years. And I've known John for seven years. And I've known his fiance since we were kids. So we're allowed to ball bust each other because we have history. Okay? We have history of being friends. We have history of being loyal. We have history of having serious conversations. We have history of being there for each other and having each other's backs. So we are allowed to ball bust each other because we've earned that right by paying dues as friends. They have not done that. They have not been friends long enough for them to ball bust. You can't just throw two people together as a team and have them act like they've been friends forever when we know that's not the case. Unless they have been friends forever because they've known each other on the indies and shit. And if that's the case, fucking make that clear to the audience. Anytime there's been wrestlers in the business that have a long storied friendship, WWE reminds us of it. Whether it's Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn or Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly or fucking Triple H and Shawn Michaels or Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. They all have histories of being the best of friends and WWE makes that clear. So when we see their friendship, it fucking makes sense. So if Ciampa and Thatcher are guys who've known each other for many, many years, WWE needs to make that clear. 
If they haven't known each other that long, then they don't need to be ball busting. That don't work. It's not believable, okay? Trust me, the type of ball busting that the co-hosts on this show do to me, I would not tolerate from anybody else. There is shit that Desmond has said about me that if another person said it, I'd knock their fucking teeth out. Why? Because you don't know me like that, okay? This, this is goddamn ridiculous. The only, the only thing I can find solace in is the fact that when the bell rings, they fight. But these segments are fucking terrible. And then, on that note, we cut to uh, another area where we see Cameron Grimes showing up in a limousine. And he goes up to Jake Atlas and basically tells him to park his car. But then uh, Jake Atlas tells him that Ted DiBiase reserved that parking spot that he wanted him in. So, they get into an argument. And then uh, Cameron Grimes challenges uh, Jake Atlas to a match and Jake accepts, basically telling him, put your money where your mouth is. And Cameron Grimes says he's always ready, throws a dollar bill at him, and walks away. And on that note, we cut to uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, who are relaxing at a spa. Their faces are covered as they are getting pampered. Dexter Loomis appears as Hartwell is thanking LeRae for showing her how awful Loomis is. Loomis walks away, seemingly dejected. This was an awesome segment because Dexter Loomis has the ability to do goofy shit like this, and it doesn't bury him. That's how great his character is. He's basically there giving giving Indy Hartwell a massage, and she doesn't even know it, while talking shit about Dexter Loomis. Because as we know, they got flowers and chocolates, you know, sent to, you know, Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Ember Moon, claiming they're from Dexter Loomis. So Indy thought that Dexter Loomis was no longer interested in her. So she basically rejected his advances. So Loomis is sitting there clearly seeing Indy talk shit about him. So he's walking away because he realizes Indy doesn't love him even though he did nothing wrong. It's a, I, I love this. It's keeping the story going and when that moment finally comes that Indy realizes there's some fuckery going on it's going to make this story ten times better. And on that note we move on to the next match of the evening. We got Cameron Grimes versus Jake Atlas. Um, this match was fairly decent. Um, obviously, uh, this was more of a TV angle match than anything because on the way to the ring, Cameron Grimes has a video of Ted DiBiase being embarrassed over the years. Instead of booing the fans' chant for the Million Dollar Man, he basically shows him stepping in dog shit, getting thrown out of the ring, Hulk Hogan whacking him with a steel chair at WrestleMania 4 to help Randy Savage. Like, there's just a lot of Ted DiBiase moments that were embarrassing that they put a compilation together. Um, then Atlas dumps Grimes over the top rope, and then after the break, Atlas is all over Grimes. Um, so they're pretty much fighting back and forth. Um, Grimes eventually, um, is hitting back. So these two really fought in this ring. So that's why, even though it was a short match, some people would say, would I, would I consider this in, if you can call it that match? And the answer is no, because both men were hard hitting in this match. And Grimes hits his, uh, flipping cross body, sets up the cave-in, but then all of a, all of a sudden, the Million Dollar Man's music hits, DB Yossi walks out on the stage and laughs at Grimes. Grimes gets distracted. Jake Atlas rolls him up, gets the one, two, three, and Jake Atlas wins the match. Now, this is good because A, it gives Jake Atlas a win, which is, I mean, we haven't seen him in a long time, so it's good to see him get a win. But also, it helps keep whatever feuds going on between uh, Cameron Grimes and the Million Dollar Man. And apparently, they're supposed to have some kind of face off on NXT next week, which I'm looking forward to because I know DiBiase hasn't wrestled in a long time, but I wouldn't mind seeing him get back in the ring to have a match with Cameron Grimes. I feel like with uh, Ted DiBiase's knowledge of ring psychology, he could work a match with Cameron Grimes where they could blend their styles together. And then, of course, after the match, Cameron Grimes runs backstage to look for DiBiase. Grimes runs up on a car and tries to open the door. The window rolls down and DiBiase says, Grimes is good, but he's no million-dollar man. And then he laughs as the car pulls off and Grimes screams about that damn Ted DiBiase. And it sounds like the dude has that damn Ted DiBiase getting himself in them crazy predicaments, goddamn Ted boy. And uh, on that note, uh, during a backstage interview, we see Pete Dunne, who says he called out every champion because he can beat anyone. Dunne lists his 
beef with each champion. Dunn doesn't care about getting his respect. He feels like he's already proven himself even if even in his losses. Dunn says his immediate goal is to conquer the US by winning the NXT title. And with the impressive run that Pete Dunn has had and since Pat McAfee has no signs of coming back to NXT and is basically relegated to being a commentator on SmackDown, which don't get me wrong, he does a great job as a commentator on SmackDown. I heard him during the WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view. I thought he did very well, but I still feel like since he has great skills in the ring, he would have been a great NXT champion. I felt like uh, Pat McAfee is someone who could win that title and no one would get mad because he actually knows how to fucking work. And as I said before, he was the best talker in NXT. Bar none. But since Pat McAfee is basically going to be on SmackDown, um, I would give the NXT title to Pete Dunne. I'd love to see him do it. I think he could beat Karrion Cross. I think Pete Dunne is that much of a badass. And he's already established himself as a great, phenomenal wrestler who knows how to work. So there, I, I would love to hear an argument against him winning the NXT title because I don't think there is one. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Alexander Wolf with Imperium versus Killian Dane with Drake Maverick. Um, I guess this would be a, uh, if you could call it that kind of match, because not a whole lot of frills happened in this, even though it was a match between two former members of Sanity. And, of course, they trade strikes. Uh, Dane clotheslines Wolf. Wolf German suplexes Dane. Uh, Barthel slides Wolf a chair. Wolf turns around, and Dane hits a low, a low cross body for the win. And Killian Dane ends up winning the match. And then after the match, uh, Barthel and Eichner attack Wolf, and Imperium hits the European bomb. So basically, they kick Alexander Wolf out of Imperium, which is interesting because this is usually a four man group. Now they're down to three. And I'll be intrigued to see how that works in NXT UK. Now there's just three members instead of four. But either way, uh, Alexander Wolf, I don't think he belonged in this group because uh, I saw no signs of him winning an NXT North American title. And if you're not going to put the North American title on him, why keep him in Imperium? Let him go do his own thing. I, maybe he'll join up with um, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. I mean, Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane were a hell of a tag team. I maintain that they should have been at least the tag team champions when they were in Sanity instead of Eric Young having the tag team title. But at the same time, uh, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane are doing great with the team they got. But if this team was to ever split up for whatever reason, I would love to see Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane get back together one day and be tag team champions. I think they could dominate the whole NXT tag team division. So if you're not going to give Killian Dane and Drake Maverick the tag team titles, you might as well break them up and let them go with Alexander Wolf because you're just wasting time. Because Killian Dane and Drake Maverick are a great tag team, but there's no point in keeping them together if you're not going to give them any gold. And then on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, who try to put an end to the notion there is tension between them. Kai says they're going to go after the women's tag team titles. Everrise walks in, and one of them ends up getting slapped by Gonzalez. Um, that was a waste of time to me. Um, not the fact that Dakota Kai wanted to face off for the women's tag team titles, but the fact that Everrise even showed up in this. Why are they still a team? Why are they still here? What is the fucking point? They have a show on YouTube. Does anyone fucking watch this show? Seriously, I would love someone to tell me if you actually take time out of your busy day, if, if your day is busy, to watch Everize. Even if you don't have a busy day. Even if you're a lazy sack of shit. Or if you're sitting at home collecting unemployment. Do you even take time out of that day to watch this YouTube show? I doubt very much that you do. That being said, I would love to see Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez go for the women's tag team titles. I thought it was bullshit that they lost the belt so quickly. But if there is tension between them and you were going to split them up, losing an NXT women's tag team title match would be the perfect way to do it. They go for the women's belts, some type of fuckery happens, and Dakota Kai gets mad and turns on Raquel Gonzalez. Because I don't see Raquel Gonzalez going heel. I feel like she's doing too good a job as a babyface. Dakota Kai does much better as a heel. And... 
There's no reason for Raquel to be angry at Dakota because Raquel's on top of the mountain. But Dakota being jealous of that is a better storyline to tell. So I don't know when this tag title match is going to take place. I know that next week they're going to face um, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. And the winners will get a shot at the women's tag team titles. Probably at TakeOver In Your House. That's where it should be. And if Dakota and Raquel end up getting the shot, then I expect at TakeOver In Your House to see them officially break up. Or they might lose that match and that might split them up. Who knows? But I have a feeling that they're trying to say there isn't tension between them. But I have a feeling it's either going to start to build or it's just going to straight up split up after they either lose this number one contender match or lose the tag title match itself. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher versus Legato Del Fantasma. And this was an awesome tag team match. I know I gave Thatcher a lot of shit for the comedic crap he was doing earlier, but like I said, when the bell rings, he's a badass. And that's the one thing I can find solace in. Because they did a great job. The tag team chemistry is amazing. Uh, Ciampa and Thatcher are really getting into their groove as a tag team. I don't know if it's just natural to them or or if they were doing a lot of training in the Performance Center tag team-wise, but they are making it look effortless every time they step into that ring. They are doing a phenomenal job, and I love it. I love the tagging in and out. I love the uh, double um, ankle lock thing that they did. And then, of course, during that, uh, at the same time, uh, both members of Legado Del Fantasma rolled through the ankle lock and tried to do a roll-up pin, and the ref just fucking stood there. That was fucking stupid to me. That referee, regardless of how a pinfall is being done, needs to count it. Even if you get on your knees, take both your hands and go, one, two, and they kick out. You don't just fucking stand there. I don't know if this is a novice referee or if he's just a fucking idiot. If he's inexperienced, I can give a little leeway. But if he's not, he's a fucking idiot. Now keep in mind, this is the same guy who on last week's NXT was uh doing a drop down and a leapfrog over wrestlers that were running at him and then started doing this cool shit like he's gonna wrestle or fight or something. Which I'll admit was a good spot. I don't necessarily have anything against it, but that was fucking stupid. Anytime there is a pinfall, you get your ass down there and you count the fucking fall. Personally, I felt that should have been the finish if they were, you know, going to lose or going to win. Sorry. But they didn't. In the end, uh, Wilde and Mendoza hit their finisher on Champa and got the win. So Legato Del Fantasma is hoping to get a title shot against MSK, which I believe William Regal already agreed to that. Um, I believe he did, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Regal announces that Legato Del Fantasma will get a title shot in two weeks. That's right. So two weeks from now, we will see them face off for the tag team titles, which... You know, like I said before, I would personally prefer to see this at a pay-per-view, but if it gets the tag titles off MSK, I don't care if it's on TV or a pay-per-view. All I know is MSK is a bunch of spot monkeys. I have not a fan. I've been, you guys know, I've been pissed the fuck off ever since they won the tag belt at Stand and Deliver, and I am chomping at the bit for a tag team to rip those belts away from them. So if Legato Del Fantasma can do it, so be it. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Bobby Fish, who says last week had little to do with Kyle O'Reilly and everything to do with Lorcan and Dunn. They put Fish out at War Games. Fish has business with Dunn, and he wants to finish it next week. Again, why are they doing this on free TV and not building this up to the takeover is fucking annoying me. But nonetheless, great promo by Bobby Fish. And I'm going to be intrigued to see Bobby Fish stand on his own two feet because he said he basically sat at home with a tricep injury and he literally watched from home as the Undisputed Era imploded with Adam Cole turning on Kyle O'Reilly with Roderick Strong resigning from NXT, basically leaving the company. And now Bobby Fish is back and Kyle O'Reilly's made it very clear he wants to go solo and stand on his own two feet. Bobby Fish says he respects that and wants to do his own thing too, but they're still friends. And so at some point, if Kyle O'Reilly's stuck in a jam, Bobby Fish might help him out because they're still friends. But as far as them being a tag team, they're done with that for now. 
Um, hopefully someday we'll see them reunite, whether it be on the main roster or somewhere else if they both end up leaving NXT, which I don't see happening anytime soon, especially with Kyle O'Reilly being very over with the crowd and Bobby Fish starting to get his thing going. But I have a feeling that next week is just going to be a confrontation and a fight. And I feel like the match is going to be set for TakeOver in your house. If the match happens at TakeOver in your house, I believe Bobby Fish should get the win. I want to see Bobby Fish get some type of push so he's not the odd man out from the Undisputed Era or the weak link in the Undisputed Era. Because right now it looks that way with Bobby Fish. Because we he's been injured so many times, it's hard to see him do anything. Like I feel like if he gets one more injury, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to release him at some point because obviously can't release him while he's injured, but at some point Bobby Fish is gonna have to get released because he's too injury prone. You know, I don't want to kill somebody's dream, but if you keep getting injured, you may have to find another line of work. And on that note, we go back to the spa where Candice LeRae's card gets declined. The spa person says a large purchase was made at a flower shop about three weeks ago because she thought that it was uh, Austin Theory charging a bunch of pizzas on the card. Pizza, baby. Uh, But Hartwell realizes that it was LeRae who sent the gifts to Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. And Indy screams and gets excited because she says this means that Loomis still loves her and Hartwell runs off. So now she knows that Dexter Loomis still loves her. Now, while I am excited at the possibility of seeing Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis together again, I find it stupid that Indy's not aware that Candice LeRae fucked up her chance at love. And I would have preferred if she had found out either at TakeOver In Your House or on the Go Home episode before TakeOver In Your House. Because like I said before, you got to build to a pay-per-view. And it would be great to see Indy Hartwell ultimately whoop some ass. Like, get revenge in some capacity. And then, afterwards, she gets together with Dexter Loomis and they kiss. Because we've been waiting for the kiss. And then the crowd goes crazy. So, I have a feeling when they face off for the women's tag team titles against either Amber Moon and Shotzi Blackheart or Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, I feel like they're going to drop the titles because Indy Hartwell might turn on Candice LeRae. Or Candice might turn on Indy in a fit of rage because she keeps having Dexter Loomis on the brain. But I feel like this team's going to split. And then they might do like some type of beatdown and then Dexter Loomis comes out and attacks everybody in the ring. Candice, of course, will run for her life because they're not going to let Dexter Loomis beat up Candice even though it would be great. Um, And then they're going to embrace and have that kiss. So I strongly believe that's going to happen because you have to pay this story off. But the pay-per-view is the best place to pay off your stories. Because if you give too much shit away on free TV, you don't leave a lot of room for your takeovers and your pay-per-views. AEW is making this mistake a lot. The main roster makes this mistake occasionally. But AEW makes this mistake a lot. And I really don't want to see NXT make the same mistake. Especially since the ratings war is over. NXT and AEW no longer compete against each other. AEW has Wednesday all to itself. NXT has Tuesday all to itself. There is no reason whatsoever for either one of these brands to give away epic matches away for free on network TV. There isn't. Build to your fucking pay-per-views. I can understand giving something away on free TV if your pay-per-view is months away. But when your pay-per-view is weeks away, build to it. Whether it's TakeOver taking place on June 13th or Double or Nothing taking place on May 30th. You fucking build to your pay-per-view. Because that's the place where the wrestling fans are going to spend the most money. And with this pandemic, you need to make money because even though both companies are run by billionaires there's only so much money they can sh- they can shuck out so you got to make your income and everybody knows in wrestling pay-per-views are the primary source of income that's how they make their money cuz you're not making money selling tickets you're not selling any tickets cuz we don't have fans at full capacity yet Although AEW is on their way to making that happen. WWE is on their way to making it happen. But it's not happening yet. So you have to make your pay-per-views count. You have to give people a reason 
to get a Peacock account, especially when nobody in the States fucking wants to do it, unless they like other things on Peacock. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening, um, if we can call it that. Uh, I think we can, but we have Saray versus Aliyah with Jesse Kamea and Robert Stone. And all I want to say here is this match was... Eh... I mean, I'm going to be honest. This match didn't really excite me. Um, I mean, I did like that Aaliyah got some great offense in the beginning. She really brought the fight to Saray. But then eventually Saray fired back and, you know, was able to, you know, pretty much whoop her ass and dominate after that. Between the missile drop kick, the uh, filthy basement drop kick, and the side German suplex for the win, uh, Saray pretty much dominated. I do like the fact that Robert Stone kind of dressed like a pimp in this one. He was like Pimp Daddy Stone. Uh, granted, he didn't have a cane or nothing, but the suit that he was wearing with the fedora long ass hat um, kind of made it work. So it was good. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if you should keep that look because again, it makes him seem like a pimp, and you don't want people to think you're pimping these women out. You're just managing them. So I feel like that's something that's gonna get lost in translation. So maybe we should just kind of stay away from that. But either way, the match was meh. You know, it it did what it needed to do. It established Saray still as a badass Japanese wrestler, and it allowed Aaliyah to look somewhat good on TV. So, this was filler, basically. Then we got to the backstage area with Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart talking about coming for the tag team titles. I loved this promo from Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. They talked like a tag team, they looked like a tag team, and just everything they did felt like a tag team. Which is weird because there were two random chicks thrown together, but they are making this tag team work. They're making themselves believable, especially since they are former tag team champions. So they're really coming into their own, even though I personally would prefer to see Ember Moon as a solo act uh, becoming the NXT Women's Champion. I'm looking forward to her chasing that. I know John would love to see Shotzi Blackheart become the NXT Women's Champion, and I believe someday that moment could come. But I feel like there's other women more deserving than Shotzi right now, so I'm not in a rush to see her go for the gold. But I definitely want to see Ember Moon get that title back. And on that note, we cut to the next match of the evening. We have Hit Row versus Nice and Davari. And this was another uh, quick match. Uh, another if you could call it that match but it was basically designed to make uh, Top Dollar look good as well as his tag team partner Adonis so it was good it showed that Adonis and Top Dollar work well together as a tag team it shows that you know if they do go for the tag belts at some point they could look believable as a team and it works well for them um, it, it was just a great chemistry from them uh, Nice and Davari they're good workers but not really known for being a tag team so they were basically just there to get their asses kicked they were jobbers being thrown to the wolves. They were lambs being thrown to the slaughter. And that's exactly what they were. That's exactly what they did. Top Dollar hit a suplex into a neckbreaker to get the win. Very impressive. And like I said, I love this team. I love this faction. Especially after the match. Uh, they're all cutting a promo. And then Swerve says he doesn't care who wins the North American Championship match later. But he's coming for whoever does. And again... They were cutting promos. They were rapping. The flow was great. They all talked together. Everybody gets equal mic time, and everyone can equally knock it out of the park on the mic. And then, of course, they cut to where they're standing at the turnbuckle, and the one girl's got her leg on um, Swerve's shoulder, and he's kind of holding it with one hand while talking with the other hand. The other two guys are kind of standing there. And I think that, because I remember when they were going towards the turnbuckle, the camera quickly panned up to the ceiling. And I think the reason for that was because when she was trying to adjust herself for, for the pose. I don't think they wanted to make sure that they didn't get her, uh, you know, her vajayjay in the shot. You know, we didn't want to. We didn't want a Sharon Stone pussy shot on the show. So I think that's why they did that because they weren't showing the cage because we couldn't see the cage. And I'll get to that in a minute. But either way, phenomenal promo. Love this faction. And if Swerve wants to become the North American champion, I have no objections to that. I hope he does. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area where, as we mentioned before, Regal announced Legato Del Fantasma getting the title shot in two weeks. He also says he's going to beef up the women's and cruiserweight divisions with new talent. And, of course, he reminded us all about Moon and Blackheart facing Gonzalez and Kai. So we have those matches to look forward to. I look forward to seeing who the new women are that are going to come through NXT. I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping Priscilla Kelly, a.k.a. Gigi Dolan, is going to be one of those women because uh, I've been a big fan of Priscilla Kelly 
for many years. Um, I've also um, been friends with her. I'm, I consider her a friend. And we've worked together on various projects. We were both on Daytime Fighting League together. Also, she wrestled one time for um, UCW. We had her at the Payback Show where she went one-on-one -on -one against Tracy Taylor. So I know the talent that Priscilla Kelly is. Now, granted, she's got this. New, she's going to have this new gimmick, Gigi Dolan. And I look forward to seeing what Gigi Dolan can do. But I know when that bell rings, we're going to see Priscilla Kelly minus the tampon spot because I know WWE's not going to let her do that. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we move on to the main event of the evening, a steel cage match for the NXT North American Championship. Johnny Gargano with Austin Theory defends the title against Bronson Reed. Now, earlier I talked about how you couldn't see the cage. Here's why. Because before the participants made their way to the ring, they lowered the cage. Now, usually when you see a steel cage getting lowered, the cage is already built. It's hanging above the ring and all they got to do is lower it down and put it in place apparently in the capitol wrestling center they do things differently because that cage basically came down folded up and then folded around the ring. So basically they had different sections of it and they basically just came down and enclosed themselves around the ring, which I will admit is a 10 times cooler way to show off a steel cage. Now, I don't think in an arena or a stadium, WWE could pull it off that way, the main roster. So I feel like that's something exclusive to the Capitol Wrestling Center. But either way, it looks good. And that being said, the match itself, fucking phenomenal. This was a phenomenal steel cage match. It told a fantastic story. It had great back and forth action. It had violence. It had brutality. There was no blood, but even though most people think a steel cage match should have blood, this didn't need it. And Austin Theory only interfered once or twice, but they were timed perfectly. All of them involved him slamming a cage door in Reed's face and preventing him from being able to walk out through the door. And if you're going to have a manager with you in a cage match, that's what the fuck should happen. Unless that manager gets knocked out by someone interfering, that manager should always be there to slam that door in your face. Your only method of escape should be climbing out if there's a manager. No one should be going through the door if, if, the, if someone else has a manager. Should not happen. Because that buries the manager, in my opinion. But anyway, still, phenomenal match. And there were so many times where it looked like Gargano was going to win, but Reed kept kicking out. And then Reed hits the splash on Gargano. Like, he hits this vicious power bomb to him. Then he climbs up, hits, Reed climbs the cage, Theory cuts Reed off. Reed knocks Theory off the cage, then hits a splash to Gargano, and then Reed closes the cage door and goes back up top and hits another one, the Tsunami. One, two, three, your winner and new North American champion, Bronson Reed. My only complaint about this match was that it wasn't on TakeOver. I felt this was a TakeOver level match that was given away on free TV. So I don't like that aspect. However, the match itself, fucking phenomenal. Bronson Reed, 14 years to the day of his first match, becomes a North American champion. And as soon as they started mentioning that throughout the show, that's when I knew that Bronson Reed was going to win this match. I had a very strong feeling he was going to win because there's no way NXT would overhype the shit out of something that major if he wasn't going over. That would just be a shitty thing to bring up if you weren't going to give him the win. Now, because Bronson Reed just won the North American title, I all of a sudden do not want to see Swerve go for the title. Because if Swerve goes for a title, he should win it. If you're not ready to make Isaiah Swerve Scott the North American champion, keep him away from Bronson Reed. That's why there's a part of me that kind of wished that Gargano did win this match. Because I felt like if Johnny had won, then Isaiah would have beaten him at TakeOver. Unless they want Bronson Reed to be a transitional champ. Like, have him hold the belt until TakeOver. Have Isaiah take it from him at TakeOver. Because if Swerve gets a title shot, he needs to win the title because he is on a roll right now with this fucking faction. So now, there's a part of me that doesn't want to see Swerve go for the title. Or if he does, I don't know if they're going to do a TakeOver around SummerSlam in August. But if they do, I would have Swerve take the title at that SummerSlam takeover. So you know, usually with the big four, there's a takeover 
Granted, we didn't see those recently, but we did see one uh, on Wednesday and Thursday as a two-parter before WrestleMania. So I'm thinking with SummerSlam, we might see a takeover around that time. I don't know if it'll be that Saturday or if it will be on TV like Stand Deliver was where Wednesday was on free TV and Thursday was on Peacock or it'll just be on Peacock on a different day of the week. I don't know, but I can tell you this. Whenever Swerve gets the shot, he needs to win and the match will be phenomenal because as much as I like Bronson Reed, I like Swerve a hell of a lot more right now and both these guys are too good to lose right now. So if Swerve does win, the rest of Hit Row has to help him. Swerve has to cheat. He does. He has to. That has to happen. If he faces Bronson Reed and wins that North American title, he has to cheat. That way it doesn't hurt Bronson Reed. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this week's NXT recap. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Uh, pick your favorite hosting site, follow us there, or follow us on all four if you really want to show your support. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content up there. I just recently posted my second promo for the NWO Reunion and Road Stories, which I talked about at the beginning of the show. It's going to take place this Sunday, May 23rd, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. at Whiskey's in Taylor, South Carolina. We're going to have a meet and greet before the show. There'll be a Q&A after the show. And in between will be great road stories from Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and Buff the Stuff Bagwell. Also, uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos from us. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out our uh, Boochcast reviews, Dark Side of the Ring series, which is currently ongoing. Um, we're gonna have some uh, episodes coming soon. Um, we got the Brian Pillman videos coming soon. We got the Ultra Violence of Nick Gage coming, the Collision in Korea, and so much more. So make sure you guys are on the lookout for that. Also. Also, you can check out our watch parties, our D&D one-shot, and multiple other skits on the YouTube channel. So hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when we produce Boochcast YouTube content. Also, follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. You can check out our live wrestling watch parties. You can live chat with us during those parties. The next one will be August 22nd for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you check that out. Also, our live D&D show will be coming soon. We might have some one shots on there in between, but we are going to have our big D&D show coming soon. Like I said, once we get everything situated, we're going to have that show out for you guys and it is going to be phenomenal. We got a lot of big surprises for that show in the works. I can't reveal what they are right now, but when I can, you will fucking love every second of it. And of course, support the show through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash theboochcast. We have great rewards for great patrons for as little as $1 a month. Just $1 a month. You can help us keep the show going. You can help us uh, upgrade the equipment, bring in bigger name guests, and also allows me to pay the bills as well as take care of my guys who work hard behind the scenes to make this show possible. So if you have a favorite co-host and you think they deserve to be paid for their work, Patreon is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.